It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. Welcome to episode 30 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And as the big day draws in, we just want to say a massive thank you for all your support for our podcast for what has been a very eventful 2016, both on and off the pitch. It seems as though we've been doing this show for ages, but can you believe it? We only started in February, and here we are at Christmas on the big 3-0. So from me and Sam, we just wanted to take this opportunity to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and thank you so much. Whether it's been a a retweet, a t-shirt sale, a donation, or even just a message to say that you've listened, it's really great to have you on board. But Sean... I'm sorry to bring the warm Christmassy feeling to an end, as sadly, we're going to have to get on with the show and discuss that game. So, without further ado, here's what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. 
we discuss El Clasicoast as Southampton ran out 3-1 winners at the Vitality Stadium. That's right, Bournemouth kept up the consistent inconsistency by losing to our nearest and dearest rivals from down the road. And the big question seems to be, is Eddie Howe too loyal to his players? Hmm, looking forward to that discussion. Uh, Not, uh, but thankfully sandwiched in between now and then will be a rather less pessimistic Michael Dunn, who brings us this week's view of the game in his match report. And then we bring you some reaction from the game, including a couple of interesting media soundbites that are suggesting that the lack of rotation is what's costing us. Yep, and then I will hop into the Back of the Net news booth to bring you this week's developments at the Vitality Stadium, the home for now of the Cherries. Mm, And Sean, what is this about a game that we're giving away, eh? That's right, Sam. So sometimes on this show we we trailer and say things are coming up and then they don't happen. Uh, How's that predictor score going, Sam? Um, However, folks, on this side of the hemisphere down south... I stick to my promises. So this week we will be giving away a copy of Football Manager 17 thanks to Sports Interactive. Looking forward to that. And then to end, we'll have a chat about our Boxing Day bout with the boys in blues. Bournemouth, that's hard to say, travel to Chelsea in a match that the bookies have down as a home banker. Great alliteration there, Sammy. But first, let's start with a look back to Sunday. So here's Michael Dunn. Many of us drop a small gift round to our neighbours at this time of year, but our beloved Cherries took this kindness a step too far when they presented Southampton with all three points after an insipid showing in the pantomime derby by our heroes in red and black led to a 3-1 defeat on Sunday afternoon. Aside from swapping Benny Kofobi for Callum Wilson as the lone striker, Eddie named the same team that started the win in midweek over champions Leicester City. The manager made a point of voicing his desire to see his team claim back-to-back victories in the days leading up to the meeting with our South Coast rivals, sensing an opportunity to do just that against Cloud Puel's stuttering outfit. All appeared to be going to plan early on as Bournemouth took the lead after six minutes. From a corner, Jack Wilshere received the ball wide on the right and whipped in a looping cross to the crowded penalty area. Nathan Aki, who was clearly in a contest with Steve Cook for who will bag the most goals from centre-half, stole between two opposition defenders and stooped to head low past Fraser Forster's near post. Festive cheer was in evidence on all four sides of the ground, and Bournemouth might have doubled their lead just minutes later when Josh King shrugged off Maya Yoshida to fashion himself a clear-cut opportunity which he failed to profit from when shooting straight at Forster. The Cherries continued to press forward without further reward, but no sooner had the home fans stopped claiming the entire South Coast for themselves than Southampton took a grip on proceedings which, unfortunately, they were not to relinquish until full-time. On 14 minutes, Ryan Bertrand drew the team from St Mary's level when he cut inside Adam Smith and breezed past Simon Francis before firing across Arthur Boris into the net. Bertrand, who had made five appearances for Bournemouth as a teenager, then assumed the vacant role of villain by cupping his ear to the main stand and later, when he stumbled across the advertising hoarding into the Steve Fletcher stand, making hand gestures mocking the small size of Dean Court. The equaliser seemed to spur Southampton on whilst having the opposite effect on Eddie Howe's team. Bertram was a constant menace on the right-hand side, 
with Eddie Howe at one point staging an impromptu meeting about the issue with Francis Smith during the first half. This had minimal impact, however, as the England international continued to find time and space, his pinpoint delivery to Nathan Redmond looking certain to put the away side in front until the former Norwich midfielder completely missed the ball. Bournemouth looked leggy and short on ideas as Southampton hunted in packs to snuff out any danger and claim every loose ball. Any hope that things might improve after we hung on to going level at half-time were extinguished when Southampton went ahead after 48 minutes. Stephen Davis had replaced Harrison Reid at half-time and the Irishman exchanged passes with Buffal before lifting the ball past Steve Cook to give Jay Rodriguez the chance to steal in ahead of Francis and apply the finishing touch. Eddie tried to bring his charges to life by replacing Mark Pugh and Callum Wilson with Ryan Fraser and Benny Cofobe, but Bournemouth remained second best. Rodriguez, Redmond and Pierre-Emile Hoiberg all had chances to extend the away side's lead as Bournemouth saw a succession of free kicks in the opposition's half come to nothing. Between denying the nature of the fixture, many Southampton fans conceded that they were not optimistic going into the match, but anyone watching the second half would have been at a loss to understand why they were so concerned. Bournemouth were denied any time on the ball and outrun all over the pitch in a manner not seen all season. It came as no surprise on 85 minutes when Southampton put the points out of sight. Redmond forced his way past Cook on the edge of the area, but lost control of the ball, only for it to bounce off his face into the path of Rodriguez. There didn't appear to be anything on for Eddie Howe's former Burnley striker, but he pivoted on his left foot and volleyed past a helpless Boric with his right from 20 yards. This was the cue for a mass exodus from Dean Court, as many of the home fans chose not to hang around to witness the celebrations by our nearest but not quite dearest. Save for a long-range Steve Cook effort which forced to almost spill to costly effect, Bournemouth continued to have little to offer. When Mark Klattenberg blew up for full-time, there was a sense of relief amongst the disappointment that the scoreline had not been worse. The season may not be quite so festive as a consequence of this result, but just the same, I'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And a very Merry Christmas to you, Michael. You can catch him on Twitter, at All Departments, and it was a shame that we had to take a loss into Christmas, but alas, it's all going to be different on Stamford Bridge on Boxing Day, isn't it? When we play Chelsea, what is it now? They've won 11 in a row. Oh, it's depressing. What's also depressing is, like in the stadium, our fans just just don't say anything when we're losing or when we've lost. Hence, we've only got one opinion in, and that's from Matt from AFCB TV. And he's been sandwiched in between two Saints fans, because it's always good to hear the views from the other side. In fact, the views are from the Ugly Inside YouTube channel. And we've got some thoughts from the media. Now, in terms of a song, well, it's pretty apt, this one, with Steve Wright and Chris Root both agreeing we had a bad day. game first time i've ever been to uh, dean court let's call it what it is uh and uh, the bournemouth fans very loud to start with weren't they mm. when uh, they scored very early on but then after that it was like a library club claude pierre Puel put out six changes you'd think maybe this could be a walk in the park but southampton just brought something better and more next level to us and we were just slow turned off it was just not fun to watch. Um, Jay Rodriguez was just all over our defence. Our defence looked slow. Francis doesn't, didn't, hasn't been looking like he's clocking it, clicking in. 
to the match pace recently, and I feel like we, that's the main factor. Because you had a bad day, you take one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You sing it First half was alright, it wasn't amazing, we went 1-0 down, we, we reacted to it, which we haven't done this season. Second half, we were unreal, Stephen Davis made a difference, came on straight away, put one on the plate for Rodriguez, finally, one from one yard, he scored. the credit, he made the changes today, people have questioned that before the game, if it was the right decision to do so, but ultimately, what I said was judge him over the 90 minutes, you'll see if he got it right or wrong, he certainly got it right, as he did at half-time, because the midfield was ineffective, wasn't really doing a great deal going forward, we read in there, and Classy, and Hoybier, so he brought on Stephen Davis, and it changed in their fortune, all of a sudden they had a lot more control about their game, they looked a lot more of a threat, created the better opportunities, look at the two goalkeepers, who had the most to do in that second half, undoubtedly it was Arta Boric, the Bournemouth keeper, and all credit to Southampton, they looked a better team today, I've got to be, I've got to be honest about it, over the course of the 90 minutes, and you mentioned Bournemouth, they just looked jaded to me, they looked leggy, they looked like a team that put a lot of energy in it in the last few matches, and it showed today, maybe, maybe, in hindsight, Eddie Howe should have made a few changes to his starting 11, a little bit more than he did. Premier League's that demanding. It is difficult. Um, Mentally I, more than physically or both? I think I think both. Um, but our manager made changes because he, f he wanted to freshen up. Um, and other managers have done the same. Obviously, they only made one change and, and it's probably maybe cost them the game. Um, but let's say he'll look at it and, and he probably won't do it again. So the last two thoughts you heard there were from Charlie Adam on Match of the Day and also Ray Houghton saying that Eddie Howe maybe should have rotated because the players looked tired. We'll see what Sean's got to say about that in a minute. But yeah, our continued progress under Eddie, it can't be underestimated, but we do seem to have an inability to string positive results together and it's preventing us from sort of breaking into the Premier League top 10 permanently but Sean having watched that game both losing 3-1 what was your overriding feeling at the end of it um that we'd just been totally bossed hadn't we other than the start of the game and I can't help but think if that goal hadn't slipped past Boric and let's be honest he should have he should have had it um, that totally changed the game. Absolutely, it was. We were bright. We were buzzing. We were on top. The crowd were with us, and it was like Southampton are on the ropes here, and we're going to get a goal, another one, and then we're going to go a couple ahead, and then suddenly, literally, wasn't it? The goal went in, and it just totally, totally changed the, the rest of the game. Yeah, that's right. We had that chance where Josh King cut in on his left foot and where sort of Fraser Forster just stopped the ball dead. And it was from that moment onwards where the game turned, I thought. And then it's it's really strange because when I um when I watch these games sometimes, I always get like premonitions. 
and when Cherry's players are out of place, it, it sort of, yeah, it usually results in something happening. Like once, uh, I can't remember which game it was, but Frano was not uh, prepared for the opposition throw in and then he got out of place and then they went and scored. I can't remember what game. But um, when I was watching Southampton on the attack, I thought this is a moment right here that I'm watching now. And then Bertrand turned Smith inside out who committed a bit too early, should we say, and then fired in that narrow shot. But Adam Smith there, not great. And Bertrand giving it the big uh, cupping of his ears and all that to the family stand as he runs past. You know, there's little Billy in the first row and there's Bertrand, yeah, give it to you. It's like, oh, you don't really need to do that. But the interesting thing was before the game, the coverage I was watching um, on BN Sports, it had Alan Shearer in the studio and Sol Campbell Man, Sol Campbell's awful as a TV guy. Okay. Shearer's great, but Sol Campbell, terrible. But anyway, but they were talking about, you know, six changes that Southampton had made and we hadn't made, we'd made one. And they were framing that in a, that's to our advantage because Southampton are coming into this game with all uh-huh. these new players. And, you know, and then you get the, the pundits at the end of the game saying, well, you know, these are the ones that made the changes. Bournemouth did look tired and, and we did. We did look leggy. We did look tired. But the only question I've got about that is with the club, especially Premier League clubs, right? Our backroom staff now, we have all these sports scientists and every training session, the players are analysed and they've all got the digital things in their back and all that like if it seemed apparent there were players that you know three games is too much in a week and all that stuff but wouldn't they have seen the levels dropping in training it's not like a visual thing oh he looks all right like they've actually got stats that's what I don't understand is if were the stats saying that these guys were as maintaining the level that they normally do or did it show they were dropping Sam tell me the answer to that question <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I can do that. I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting point. I mean, Eddie Howe in the post-match interview, someone posed the question about, um, you know, are you going to have a rethink now, three games in eight days? And he said, well, I might have to. And he said this before, but he never actually did change anything. But I don't know. It is it is a lot for a, for a player. I mean, Jack Wilshire, to his credit, um, has 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 done sort of incredibly well recently and. He, whilst he, I don't think he had his best game, it did seem that he was getting very frustrated with the players around him. And he was he was making uh, loads of um, arm gestures all over the place. Uh, it seemed also that the Bournemouth players were just almost passing the ball and just thinking, so, you know, you do it, you do it. And I noticed that when Ryan Fraser came on as well. There was um, a lack of responsibility all over the pitch and the players just looked just really jaded and as you said just incredibly leggy yeah and that's what i don't it's hard to put your finger on it isn't it but it's like we we know we pay so much for the staff to whatnot it's like were there any warning signs or was it a case of oh yeah we might be a bit tired but we reckon they'll be up for it because it's southampton or whatever else but i mean yeah i the lineup i mean we talked about it last week and i i felt that we needed to be able to kind of have periods of the game where we boss the game and we boss the ball and I think as well to be fair in terms of our tiredness after, other than the the opening we never really had a spell where we looked comfortable and we had the ball for long periods and when you have the ball for long periods that can be your recovery time because you're letting them chase you around whereas we never really had that especially in that second half it's just Southampton had total control of it and 
So maybe that's part of it as well, was if we'd have kept the ball better, maybe we'd have been able to recover. And But it just, um, it was it was pretty painful to, to watch, really, um, because there wasn't really any bright sparks. I mean, other than everyone, you know, obviously saying Nathan Aki again, still looking good. I, I still have that nagging thought, though, that we are conceding a lot of goals. Now, you know, and you can actually look at when he went into centre back, and I, I don't, you know, I know we talked about this last week, and it's like, well, you can't pin it on the one guy, and actually, it, his levels have increased, and maybe others have dropped or whatever. But I don't know. There was a moment just after we'd scored, so he'd just scored the goal, and everything was great. I don't know if you remember, and Southampton played quite a long roaming ball to, um, I presume it was Rodriguez up front. I can't remember, and. Aki got caught again. It was like the goal we yeah. conceded against Liverpool, and there was a couple of others. And I think it overran, and it overran to to Boric. But it was just another moment of, oh, oh, oh we're right here. But, I mean, overall, he he seemed to have the the obvious drive and, and push and fitness that maybe the others lost, you know, do you think? Yeah. I, does it scare you somewhat that the two players that have been performing incredibly well won't be with us next season? I mean, we're going to need to strengthen in January, surely. Uh, you think so? I mean, even with Wilshire, when he first came in and we're doing well, there was talk about if he loves it so much here and we're doing well, then maybe he'll want to stay. And I guess the test will be is how many games do we have like the game against Southampton where, like you said, he is going to get frustrated. Yeah. He is going to do a lot of the work he's gonna to have to run around probably more than he has to and he might just think do you know what Milan this type of year would be good you know what I mean we just don't know but I don't know I think the other thing is there's been lots of talk within the fans about how Bournemouth supporters have reacted to this defeat and there's some that are one extreme of we're awful we need to get rid of them Wilson's rubbish we need to buy loads more players and then there's the others that are in the you know Look, remember where we were. Everything's yeah. rosy. We're going to lose games. It's, I don't know. For me, it's the Premier League. I think is it's the most brutal league, isn't it? And it's the one where if you're not up to the top level, and the reality is, is we're not going to be at the top level every week because we're not we're not there yet. And when you have an off day, I think what this league does is it magnifies the difference between the sides higher than any other division. So it means you can look like you're well beaters and you're beating the, the, the Premier League champions on a Tuesday and then on a Sunday you're supposedly looking like you're totally nowhere near the yeah. races, you know? Yeah, I well, I completely agree. And I know it's an old adage, but there is no easy game. And we learnt, we've learned that already uh, when we played Burnley. After beating Liverpool, we were in high spirits thinking we can, you know, go up there and get a result. It's quite interesting what a few people are saying on Twitter. Uh, Gary Wright comedically said, don't let them buy a dog for Christmas because they can't keep hold of the bloody lead. Uh, Steve Richards said, did ACB have their Christmas party last night? Uh, Dave Andrews echoed what I said earlier, that the best two players aren't ours. No movement today. Jack was on his own for most of the time. Yeah, the other thing I found odd was when we brought on with Francis and we brought on Ibe was how narrow we were they were playing like they never really gave us any width did they or options they kind of both ended up drifting in and we just didn't have the opportunities to exploit them and we just it just looked a little bit clueless now 
I think we have, you know, we probably end up having to give credit to Southampton tactically and whatnot for yeah, for getting it for getting it right. But even that was like, okay, come on and give us something different, change it around a bit, you know. And um, Fobe came on, and uh, lots of talk has been about Wilson and Wilson's performance levels. The the main thing for me at the moment is still, I don't think Wilson is giving us. He's not giving us the out ball like he he used to. Um, he's not. It, it seems like he struggles to hold it up a lot. He's not winning the challenges when it's fifty fifty in the air with the defender when we're clearing it. He's not winning it. Their defenders are nipping in front of him, and that means we don't get a break. So when we do have to pump it long, so to speak, I think it's sticking a lot more with Afobe than it is with Wilson at the moment. Yeah. Mm. I um I tried to poke you earlier with Adam Smith, but you didn't really retaliate. But there are a few people on Twitter. Um, Paul Kenwood, namely, said Smudge is not good enough at right midfield. Um, and he there was a conversation uh, tagging us in at AFCB podcast we were between him and uh, Mr. Tiggs, Tony on Twitter. Um, Smith came in for a lot of criticism and people were very surprised that he stayed on the pitch as long as he did what was your view uh watching adam smith yep same actually i was i i thought when when you need to get back into the game and you need a little bit more creativity and our movement and our passing isn't quite coming off as well as it as it can do i think smith is 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 brilliant at the link-ups and when we get the triangles and we get the third man running, he can get into space or he can release a man into space. It just wasn't happening in this game and it, and it literally needed somebody to win a one-on-one battle. And I don't mean that physically, I mean that skillfully, you know, and just get past that player or give us something. And which is why it was like, well, maybe this is a moment for I, but then I came on and just never really got given the opportunity of a one-on-one with a fullback when he got it there was extra players in so in that respect that's I was surprised Smith stayed on for that reason because he's not that kind of player Mm, yeah well I mean it's not as bad as people say I mean Martin Young on Twitter crazy how many people moan about players effort 10th in the league been superb for seasons hardly a crisis yeah I, I i do agree to some extent with the uh you know if you put things into perspective but we got some puns coming up but my overriding feelings uh, you know very disconsolate let's face it the rivalry is entirely our own <laughs> there are a few southampton fans that bite our tweets it's all good fun and games, but they do tell us loudly and proudly that they don't care because everyone does that. But with that match, that there's not even a crumb of comfort I was able to take out of that game. Usually there's there's something. There's the bad refereeing decision. There's the, the endless opportunities twinned with the sort of lack of clinicality, is that a word? On this showing, there was nothing. And that did worry me. If you're going to pick a fight, make sure you can win it. And if we're going to build it up as a derby, you've got to make sure we win it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So we had a few puns come in. Uh, Steve Wright was on it. Hot Rod brings festive cheer for the Saints as the Cherries are left red-faced. Hot Rod Rodriguez, I like it. And also a very simple Saints and Sinners. Yeah, six out of ten on that one. Uh, Paul Kenwood, Mocking Jay. 
shows more hunger in the game than the lackluster cherries. Ooh. That's not bad, is it? Nice. I'm going to I'm going to applaud that, Mr. Paul Kenwood. Very, very good. But oh, I can see Sean on his camera. He's putting on his little elf outfit. You're doing some festive news, are you, this week, Sean? Ho, ho, ho. Time to say goodbye to Dean Court. AFCB released a statement a couple of weeks ago from the club's chief executive, Neil Blake, whereby he announced that AFC Bournemouth will now be looking for a new home with a view to be ready for the 2020-21 season. Within the statement, Blake explains that the club will not be held to ransom by the stadium's owners structured in and that the council have made it clear that they are not happy to see a sizeable expansion to the existing ground. Eddie Howe says that it will be emotional to leave, but it needs to be done to help the club maintain its standing in the Premier League. Now, rumours of where the new ground may be located have already begun. Mousset reportedly unhappy at not playing. Lise Mousset, the French striker signed from Le Havre prior to this season, has been quoted in a French newspaper interview as saying he is unhappy with being in the stands and not on the pitch allegedly saying that he was told upon signing that he would seem game time, but that he has been given no explanation from manager Eddie Howe as to why he is not playing. He went on to say, You can say that's football, but I really have the impression of wasting my time of being in a dead end. Following the release of this interview, some people started claiming on Twitter that he was misquoted and the Daily Echo has published a story saying Mousset is set to deny the statements and that the club are giving him their full backing. But I think the test of its authenticity is whether or not we see Mousset in a red and black shirt anytime soon. Got to to say it, Sean, slightly disappointed there isn't a Christmassy jingle for the club news with like reindeer bells and all that. But hey, uh, you know, I know we've got a limited budget here. Quite interesting, though, to hear about the stadium news. Uh, Very interesting to hear what uh, the Cherries Trust chairman Tony Maycock had to say as well, who says, If the statement confirms a lot of rumours that the current owners of the ground are asking too much for what the ground is actually worth, but they're in a position that they want to buy the ground, then that is what they they want to sell it for. I don't know the exact figure which they are asking. The board have suggested it's too much. Then that would imply that Structagene have put a very high value on it. Now, when I heard the news, Sean, about what Bournemouth were doing, well, in fact, I was um, I was actually in Winchester, and uh, I actually got a call from Wave One Hundred and Five um, asking me for my opinion on it, and I hadn't even heard about it. I'm like, what? 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 Yeah. And um, it's uh, it's I don't know. To me, 
it smacks of the club just putting a press release out there and trying to sort of play hardball a little bit. Um, no real plan in motion. I know it says we're working with the council, etc., etc., yada, yada. But they're obviously trying to sort of shoot first in the duel. And uh, whether it's going to sort of open some positive dialogue with Dean or not, I don't know but i mean what are your thoughts on the whole thing and you know would you like to see us moving away from king's park or staying there or what yeah part of me wonders like when we talked about this on the previous show a fair while ago didn't we and it was when the club was saying they weren't going to be actively involved in any negotiations it it felt like structuring felt like they were holding all the cards and you know it's like, well, you're not going to move anywhere else. This is your place that you play in, you know, and we had to wrestle back some of the initiatives. So it was like saying, well, we're going to go because if we leave, um, Structured Dean are going to be left with a stadium, which currently my understanding is, is it doesn't have um, it doesn't have the um, consent to be residential so i don't think they can just knock it down and have a developer stick a block of flats up i think it still has to be used for sporting reasons of which case that's going to be hard for them to find a tenant to take that over unless we can um, get the old locomotive team to uh, get back together <laughs> sam and, and chip in but you know what i mean so in that respect it's, part of me is like well is this like you say just a chance to say we're going and then they'll be like oh hang on a minute or because the other issue is that this interesting thing about the council. <clears throat> so they're saying the council are also making it tricky. Now, if that's true, then even if we did buy the ground, we can't expand it anymore anyway. So, yeah, um, there's been lots of things online. I've heard rumours that um, the lease that we've got on the stadium, if we were to walk away from it, we're still going to have to pay some crazy amount of years worth of rent on it. So, But I guess that probably is a small fry to the purchasing. I've also heard mm. other little birdies saying that the club might already have a space located somewhere and they've already done a little bit of work structurally to some area of land somewhere in and around Bournemouth ready for a new stadium. So, mm. yeah, there's. I think it's going to be one of those wait and sees. In terms of am I sad to see us go, yes, it's... I guess because I've been away for nine years i haven't had the last nine years inside that stadium albeit fleetingly when i've been back it doesn't it's never felt the same as the old dean court and no. you know maybe you guys that have still been going regularly whether it's still the same or not and i'm this is talking about fans that have been there you know like like us for the last donkey's years if it was moving away from the old ground to a new site i think i'd feel a lot stronger emotionally than I would with our current one because it's never as 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 home as it is. It's still not the old Dean Court. But from you, Sam, you've still been going pretty regularly in the new stadium. I mean, your, what's your attachment, especially with what's gone on with the incredible rise? How sad are you going to be if we are to leave? Uh, yeah, not very. I was working it out the other day in terms of my AFC Bournemouth supporting life. It was only recently a few months ago was the point in my life where I had started 
sorry, not started, but I had been supporting Bournemouth for longer in the new stadium than the old stadium, ah. which is weird because, mm. it, you know, I've I've had more time at the Vitality Stadium or whatever you want to call it um, than I have at the old Dean Court, you know, 90 degrees, uh, you know, the other way. And I, I don't know. I mean, this, I feel, is a transitional stadium that we're at now. And that, I think, think we, we probably win that uh, will end up moving away and it's a it's a stadium that's served its purpose it's got us to where we need to be um we certainly couldn't have done anything with that rotting corpse of a stadium that we had before but i loved it i loved everything about that old stadium just all the all the nooks and crannies but it's it served a purpose but yeah i mean w- we have outgrown it obviously when they you know, built the stadium in the first place. They they were never going to expect that we would be where we're going to be now. But um, yeah, very interesting to see you know what's going on and uh, yeah how things are going to d- uh, develop. I do not know. Um, also, Sean, interestingly, in your news there, Lise Mousset, hmm. what's what's he been saying? <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? And it's. Yeah, I don't know whether it's lost, you know, lost in translation, but the the report that came out and it got picked up by the Sun, the the Mirror, and some other news organisations, and they were like hits out at manager and whatnot. And you read it, and he's saying that he played in the cup game and then was told he'd be playing in the league game the next next the next weekend, and he didn't even make the bench, so he was up in the stands, and there's been no explanation. And he says he turned down. Spurs, I think, were one of the clubs he turned round down to come to us. And he was saying, well, if I wanted to be fourth or fifth striker, I could have done that at Spurs. I don't know. It all sounded pretty out there, surprising, because it's like, if you're going to say that, then basically you're not going to hang around, are you? Eddie's not going to keep you with that kind of stuff. We saw that with Tomlin. Um, so either it is the player has said it and he's just trying to ruffle feathers because January is coming up. And he wants to move away or it's all total nonsense. And as the Daily Echo are saying, he's going to come out and deny it and the club are going to back him. But are we going to see him on the bench? We haven't seen Graben on the bench, have we? And there's some talk that maybe something went on Mm. there with Graben. Obviously, Tomlin, once once the social media stuff came out, he was gone. Yeah, it's it. If we still see him on the bench and we still see him getting minutes, then... I will believe it was nonsense. If he suddenly just disappears, as players sometimes do at our club, mm. um, then yeah, I think it, yeah, he could he could be out the door. Mm. If I was if I was playing a computer game like say you know Football Manager, I think I would be playing Lise Mousset, and that's a, a seamless link into our next part, Sean, where. We're going to be giving away a copy of Football Manager 17 in association with Sports Interactive. Now, I used to play it back in the day, and by the sounds of it, so did you. So I'm 35, right? And when I think back to my childhood, I can't help but think of all those hours I'd spend on the really slow home computer that I had playing the championship manager game. Yep, I was one of those guys that would load up as AFC Bournemouth 
and just spend hours going through all the stats and numbers like an Excel document, just scrutinizing all those players and trying to work out the combination of tactics and player transfers that could lead us to the Premier League. (laughs) What a dream that would be, eh? ASC Bournemouth in the Premier League. But anyway, back then, kids, it really was a dream. And so spending hours on this game just became... Well, it was an obsession. Now, if you've never played Championship Manager or what became Football Manager, then, yeah, you probably don't really get what I'm talking about. But if you did play the game, then you know what it's all about. After I'd left school and started at work, I'll be honest, there were days where I'd phone up, put the Tito over the phone, I'm too sick today, and then literally spend probably 36 hours with the computer on, just playing, oh, just one more game, go on, just one more week, oh, maybe this time, until invariably there'd be a player mutiny, they'd all lost uh, any belief in me as a manager, and I'd be sacked, apart from one time when I managed to get Bournemouth into the Premier League for one season. Gianfranco Zola was my big signing, scoring loads of goals there after he'd left Chelsea at the end of his career. The twilight years, as I will always remember. I made mistakes like signing Freddie Adu. Remember that guy? He was 15, 16, however old, and he was going to be the next Pele. Yeah, we've heard that a lot of times since, but Freddie Adu never quite worked out. But anyway... Football manager is something that's been a love of mine for a long time. It stole my life, as the book that came out said. And as I've grown up, there's been periods where I just haven't been able to load it up and play it because life's busy, right? You have work, kids, responsibilities. And you know if you turn that game on, that's it. Forget it. You're gone for days, weeks, months, years. But every now and then, I'll dabble in it. And so... When Sports Interactive said, hey, back of the net, do you want to have a copy of the game, play it, see what you think, and then give a copy away to your listeners? Well, I looked at it. I thought, I don't know if I can do it, but all right, I will. And so I did, and I love it, and I am now totally back in love once again with Football Manager. And already I can see I've spent far too many hours on it over the last few weeks. So it's a really good game. If you haven't played it for a few years, I've dipped in and out, I'll be honest. So the last one I had, I think, was Football Manager 14, and I played that and then had to step away. So Football Manager 17, every year it gets better and better. It gets easier to play. So the whole kind of Excel spreadsheet look of it in the old days, they've kind of tried to pull away from that and make it a lot more accessible and easy to play if you still want to look at the individual stats and all that that's all there but if you just want more of an overview and you just want to get on with the game you can do that too the in-game actual matches when they're played um the graphics are way better now you can kind of see it a lot more instead of the the dots or back in the old day it was just text commentary and and it was like there was only about four different lines for it was either goal miss hit the post or you know goalkeeper save but these days there's a lot more to it and um, i'd really recommend it if you love football and you're kind of interested in coaching then yeah go and grab football manager it's available on pc it's available on or from mac as well as well as there's a handheld touch version you can have um, and we now excitedly are gonna be giving away a copy of football manager 17 
That's right, folks. So if you would like to get your hands on one, stay tuned because coming up in the show in a little while, Sam is going to explain how you can get a copy. I would do it, but I've just got to play one more game. Go on. Oh, shall I sell him? No, I'm going to keep him. Right, another week. Just one more game. Just, just one more. Just one more. So thanks to our friends at Sports Interactive, you have a chance through Back of the Net to win a copy of Football Manager 17 for the PC or Mac. And it doesn't matter whereabouts you are in the world. You can be in Outer Mongolia. We'll email you a code and you can download it on your broadband medical speed connection or your modem, whatever, and just get it on your computer and then start playing. Now, can you be as good as Vugar Hudznade. Do you know who he is? He's the manager of um, Baku in Azerbaijan that got a job through Football Manager alone. Can you be that good? Interestingly, um, I'm going to be flying uh, to Dubai next week via Baku, so maybe I can get a bit of a word with him. But anyway, yeah, that's Football Manager 17. And to enter Go to afcbpodcast.com slash fm17. That's afcbpodcast.com slash fm17. Submit your name, your email address, and where you're from, and just hit the submit button, and that's you with your competition entry locked in. And then stay tuned to future Back of the Nets, as we'll soon be announcing the winner. But do make sure you enter right now. It's afcbpodcast.com slash FM 17. Who doesn't love retro? Oh, that's too much retro, even for me. But we just wanted to remind you of the back of the net retro shirt poll. As you may have heard on the podcast on our website, we're showing off 10 of the best retro cherry shirts from yesteryear. And at afcbpodcast.com slash retro, you can see the shirts and vote for your top three. When the poll has closed, we'll collate the results and we'll then pass over the winners to the club. And who knows, you may well be seeing one or more of the shirts hitting the AFCB Superstore very soon. On our website, you can listen to Sean's interview with Cherry's programme writer, Gareth Davis, as they discuss all things retro. The shirts are Home 94.95, the red and black stripes, Exchange and Mart, Home 92.93, Cooper Beers, home, 1986-87. Our classical Jermaine Defoe, 10 in a row, home, 2000-2001. This one reminds me of Jason Brissett, away, 96-97. The AC Milan-inspired, away, 1990-92. That infamous purple, away, green and horrible colour number, 93-94. The Ted McDougall, green and black stripes of 97-91. John Bailey at Wembley, the special 1998 shirt, or the Wembley Prelude shirt, 97 to 98. Go on to afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro now and submit your details and vote for your top three. The winners will be sent to the club. And I, for one, cannot wait. Hit the music, please. Please. 
Okay, so folks, you just have over the Christmas period to make sure you get your retro shirt votes in. So start of January, we will close the votes. And at that point, the top three selected will be given to the club and then fingers crossed we'll see them in the club shop so do get your votes in now tell all your friends even if they don't listen to the show they haven't got a podcast app or a radio or ears or whatever um get them to vote and then we'll close it down in the next couple of weeks yeah good luck with that and good luck to bournemouth on boxing day eh, sean oh my goodness we are going to be away at chelsea on the 26th of december and they have won 11 in a row i won't go through all of their wins because it might take a while i'm just trying to see who they last lost at it was actually uh playing arsenal at the emirates and that was at the end of september but since then they've put together a of an incredible run of 11 matches in a row that's got to be a premier league record surely so they're sitting top of the table on 43 points liverpool uh, next on 37 and right down there in 10th at the moment is little old bournemouth and we've got 21 points so bournemouth are going to be traveling to chelsea now one of the things that i just mentioned to sean off air just a minute ago is like nathan ake is he is he eligible to play or not? Because when Jack Wilshire uh, was, you know, ineligible to play Arsenal, there was a lot of chat on Twitter about it because a lot of people were talking. And with Nathan Ake, no one's mentioning it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And I just went, huh, do you know what? I don't know. And we just had a look on Twitter and I can't see much rumblings or talking from Bournemouth fans about it. But according to Fantasy Premier League, which is the official fantasy football game they have Aki down as ineligible for the game and then I look back at Watford's fixtures against Chelsea last year and they played them twice in the league and they also played in the FA Cup and Aki was not in the squad for any of those games so two and two together I presume we will be running with the fact that Aki will not be playing which interestingly given the whole talk around who's going to play who's going to be dropped and there is often this thought that sometimes Eddie is too loyal to his players and whatnot. And then things like this seem to crop up, which kind of take the selection out of his hands. Because if we say, well, if Aki's not playing, then surely that means the whole, who are we going to choose over Francis and Smith? Can he drop the captain? Can he drop Smith, who's been playing well? Blah, 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 blah. It's taken out of his hands because... I would imagine the back four would... I'd imagine Daniels will keep his place and we'd probably be looking at Daniels, Cook, Francis and Smith as a back back four with Aki missing. But yeah, he's um, he'll be a big miss at the back but also up front with the goals he's been getting. Mm, now, Chelsea team news. Uh, apparently, they got a few players out, but at the moment, it's still it's still a bit too early to say because we are five days away. Um, uh, so, what's going to happen then with the team? I mean, uh, Callum Wilson, for example, does he retain his starting place? I I would go, and again, we don't know about Sermon. We don't know how far Sermon's um, away, so yeah, maybe true. we see him come back in. But again, if we presume Sermon's still out. Personally, I'd go Arta, Gosling and Wilshire. I'd bring Gosling back in, go back to that three. Up the top, I'd actually bring Ibe 
back in again, give him another rod, go Ibe and King out wide. Yeah. And I would go a Fobe up top. Um, as much for his ability to hold up the ball, if we're placing, playing Chelsea, we're not going to be expected to see maybe as much of the ball as you would normally have. So I think it would be vitally important to have somebody that can hold the ball up. If you give it to Ibe, in theory, he can hold it up higher up the field, maybe pose a bit of a threat if we can get him one-on-one while we've still got that tight three of Wilshire, Arter and Gosling. Because, yeah, they, Wilshire and Arter just looked exhausted, didn't they, really, by towards the end of the game against Southampton. Yeah, uh, so when you last played football manager as AFC Bournemouth, Sean, how, how did you do against Chelsea? <clears throat> um, yeah, not great. Uh, not great, but um, on uh, on FIFA 17, which I played this morning, uh, Bournemouth versus Chelsea, that was a lot better. That was one all. Where Wilshire scored, Ooh. we took a, took an early lead. Wilson had the chance to get a second, didn't take it. Costa had one chance and scored, but Costa is suspended for this game, so he is yeah. going to be a big miss for them. I know they've got huge talent can come in, but still, he is. You'd say he's back to his best this season. And so not him him not being around will help us. Will will it be another one of those magical away days? I mean, the form book for us at least of win lose, win lose. Well, this is you talked to earlier about the start of the show about being a home banker. Surely it's uh, money's on the away team based on that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be tough. But come on, Sam, prediction. Yeah, um, I think our streak, sadly, is going to cut. I'd love to be optimistic about this, and I'd love to sort of romanticise about uh, an away 1-0 win again, but the strength of Chelsea is just uh, incredible. Hazard on the ball is just magical to watch. The team, Conte's got them playing so well, just fluid movement all over the pitch. Um, I'm going to have to say they're going to roll out, and I hate to say this, 3-0 winners. Well, three is uh, kind of appropriate given our current record. I mean, you look at our last five games and four out of those five games, we've shipped three goals. And I, I think the, you know, the fact that Liverpool was such a compelling victory and the fact it was Liverpool, and, uh, you know, and the Leicester, I mean, was a clean sheet and whatnot. But again, the story about them being the champions has almost, I think, kind of covered up the fact that We've been conceding loads of goals, you know, and uh, that's that is a worry. And when you go to the one of the big dogs, yes, I think you potentially could be right, Sam. Um, I'll go with my gaming instinct and say a one-one. But um, yeah, I think either way, it's going to be tough. Enjoy your travels, whoever's going up to the game, and if you're watching it on TV, I hope you have a good bit of turkey sandwich on the side and maybe a large port before the game kicks off, potentially. <laughs> Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stands shouting, Up the Cherries! You're listening to Back of the Net. Well, as Santa is in his sleigh and will be delivering parcels to children across the globe, Sean and I will be taking a little break from Back of the Net over the festive period. So, unfortunately, we're not going to be here after the Chelsea game. We do have families and we do have lives and we haven't really got the money or resources to um, to basically do this all the time. Unfortunately, me and Sean would love to, but uh, I'm going to be away And then Sean's going to be away. So our next podcast is going to be on January the 5th or 6th. That's going to be after the Arsenal game. So we'll have a little summary 
of the Chelsea match. But then we'll talk a little bit about the Swansea game. And then, of course, it's Arsenal on that Tuesday night. So hopefully you're going to miss us a little bit. Mm. Oh, and I'll miss you, Sam, because I'm actually going to be away for that first one back. So we're having a week of no show. And then the one after that, it will be Sam with special guest Michael Dunn stepping in admirably to co-host with Sam. And then we will be back to normal from the 11th, which is after the FA Cup game versus Millwall. Hmm, should be an interesting one. So don't forget the retro shirt poll. That's forward slash retro and the football manager competition, which is afcbpodcast.com forward slash FM 17. Well, from Sean and I, just we want to say, hope you have a great holiday. Hope Father Christmas brings you everything you've wanted. And you've been listening to Back of the Nets, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.